Welcome back to Transformative Teaching, a FACET at IU podcast. I'm Michael Maroney, the director of FACET, and I'm here today with Tara Kingsley, Associate Professor of Education at IU Kokomo and a member of the FACET class of 2022. You'll notice I don't have co-host Katie Metz here with me today because she's actually teaching right now. Um, Tara, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited that you were able to join us. Um, as you know, we're doing these podcasts because the FACET members uh, writ large are, are, are very interested in getting to know our, our members. And um, this was an opportunity, this, these podcasts are opportunities to kind of you know, broadcast this more widely and make it uh, easier to actually learn about our, our colleagues and, and members of our community. Um, and, and uh, you know, once once you're in FACET, uh, you know, the community has basically recognized that, that you are one of IU's best teachers. And, well, I think that's an interesting, uh, interesting place to start because um, to be one of IU's best teachers means at some point you realized that this was something that you really wanted to pay attention to. And I'm curious, how did you figure out that uh, this this was an important lane for you and that that this is something where that you could excel at? Sure. Yeah. Um, gosh, you know, I've I've known that I wanted to be a teacher from a very young age. I come from a family of teachers. So both of my parents were educators. My grandmother taught during World War II, my aunt and uncle, my brother, they all have teaching license. I mean, it's it was everywhere in my childhood. I feel like I spent my entire childhood either in school or in my parents' classrooms or talking about school around the, the dinner table. Um, so like when I decided, I knew that I wanted to go into education. And then when I got my first teaching job, I was 21 years old, you know, I had no idea really what I was doing. Um, but I gained this like confidence um, when I had my own classroom. It was really unlike anything that I had ever experienced. I just, I loved the work. Mm. Um, I realized I was good at the work. I loved learning about teaching. I just had this sense of purpose. It was just an amazing feeling. So after my first year teaching, I went and enrolled in a master's program. And after that, um, within a year after getting my master's, I enrolled in the doctorate program. And for me, it was just, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't know that I wanted to go into higher ed um, yeah. when I went for my doctorate, but um, I just knew that I wanted to make an impact in education. And so when I was a classroom teacher, I taught fifth grade for 10 years. I made a really big impact, I know, on my fifth graders. Um, but with working with pre-service teachers then, I felt like it could be more of a ripple effect. So like that positive impact can just kind of be felt in waves that keep growing and growing to other children as they take over their future classrooms. Yeah. Um, so I knew I knew that I love that. I mean, going into higher ed, I really I do, and I still do miss like being in an elementary classroom, yeah. um, having my little cohort of you know community of family members of my fifth graders, and um, they used to call me mom. I always <laughs> took that as a compliment, but now my pre-service teachers they don't they don't accidentally call me mom. No, no, <laughs> but, <I'm not>. <laughs> no, but when I go into the schools to watch them, I get from the children in the elementary. They say, "Is that your mom?" And I, that's different. <laughs> That, you know, that just makes me feel old. Um, but I love teaching um, because you just, you get to create your own work environment, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like most professions, you don't get to create your own environment. So it's a lot of trial and error. It's always changing. It's always new. There's always room for improvement. Yep. And, you know, I just kind of, I learned that good teaching is good teaching. And um, I really teach my college students 
the same way that I taught my fifth graders. Um, okay, so I, I, I'm yeah. curious then, because I know that you have been very into gamification for probably your whole career, as far as I can tell, when I go and look it up. And so yeah. were you doing gamification with your, with your fifth graders? You know, I was not. Um, okay. I was not. And that was something that spawned from um, this research study that I actually did with the fifth grade teacher. He was a former colleague of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was doing gamification with his fifth graders. And so I went and observed him and did a case study and just like became completely interested in how he ran his classroom like a video game. And I was hooked. And mm-hmm. I wanted to know really if what motivated those 10 and 11 year olds would also uh, motivate college students. And that's kind of how I I kicked off into that. And what have you found out? It works. (laughs) It works. Yeah, it really does. It's, 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 um, so gamification, it's really a funny sounding word, but it basically just means that you're taking game elements like levels and badges and achievements and awards and applying those to non-game contexts, which could be the classroom. Um, And, you know, I just, I saw these students working and um, they were engaged and started kind of doing the research behind gamification and just realized that when you're a gamer, um, you you can spend up to 80% of your time failing, right? Yeah. Yet the more you fail, the more you want to keep going back to the game to win. So if you've ever played a game, and, and honestly, Michael, I'm not a gamer. I don't play video games. I mean, other than when I was a kid and I played, you know, Super Mario Brothers and <laughs> Atari That's and those types funny. of games in the 80s, right? Uh, I don't, I, other than Candy Crush, I did get cooked, hooked on Candy Crush. But even if you think about Candy Crush, I mean, I wanted to keep going back to beat that level. Um, yeah. So, you know, just the gaming, it, you know, just provides kind of this power of persistence and this like spirit of problem solving, right? And you just want to just keep trying. And I thought, would that work, right? Would that work for college learners? And that's kind of where I went into it um, and tried revamping something that wasn't working in my classes. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, like, what if it's, you know, what if it's not them? What if it's me? Like, what if, you know, I'm doing all these things, they're not getting it. Um, how can I just try something completely new and innovative and, and see if it works? Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I, so I'm, I'm imagining if you like fully gamify a class in a way where you've got levels and badges and all those kinds of things, the, um, the way you break down your kind of course learning outcomes, you got it. You have to break them down into really small chunks so that you can associate that with winning. Is that, is that how that works for you? Right. Yeah. So I've, I've, I haven't done a full course yet, um, but I think there are principles to gamification that you can um, easily apply, that anyone could easily apply to their courses. Um, So I can talk about those principles, and then I can talk a little bit about kind of the different units in my courses that I have um, gamified. So that'd be be interesting. So, you know, I really want to, when I present this work to everyone, they're like, oh, that's great, but it would never work for my class and my students aren't like this. And I know there's all these nuances and how you teach an education course could be different than a business course or a nursing course or et cetera. Um, So really there are just four dynamics that I think I would like to encourage all, all faculty, all instructors to just um, try out. And these are, these are really easy and within everyone's reach. And the first is um, storytelling. 
And so trying to think about of a simulation, scenario-based activities that you can engage to support learning, or even just having students come into class and have a theme to that day or a narrative for that class, right? Um, you know, calling students, having them be detectives, they have to figure out something, calling them detective so-and-so by their last name, you know, putting, you know, certain images on the board. I mean, just a little bit of fun. You have to be silly and goofy and your students love it when you're enthusiastic about your content and passionate. So just, yeah, you know, definitely. how can, or even just, you know, scenario-based situations. Um, two, this one's really important is rapid feedback because in a game, we get feedback really quickly, and that feedback is extremely important for our growth and learning. Um, so what we can do as teachers is to commit to a timely grading scale, which can be tough, I know, especially when we're so busy, but it's really important for students to be able to get that feedback in a, in a timely manner. Um, and then utilize automatic grading whenever possible is, is something to encourage you. And then for you know those larger classes, have students do um, peer and self-review. So just have them take the rubric, score themselves against the rubric, write a rationale for their score. What that does is it gives them feedback on their performance. They might notice, oh, I forgot to do this, or I could add more here. And they're going to go back and fix their work before they submit it, or even peer and peer feedback um, provides that rapid feedback. Um, third did, did would be- you find that with the peer-to-peer oh. feedback that um, your students trust their peers? I mean, do, do you do you have to like support that method of getting- You absolutely feedback? do. You have to scaffold everything with college kids, just like yeah. I did with my fifth graders. Um, so like when I do a peer-to-peer -peer feedback, I actually have them have a Google Doc template and I have sentence starters and mm -hmm. I have them find three, three things. And I mean, if you just say, read this and give them some yeah. feedback, they don't know what to do they're not they're not you know, well mine my students should know since they're pre-service teachers how to do feedback but they're still learning um, I mean, everybody should know how to do that that's, yeah. that's a that's a workforce yeah. requirement you have to be able to get feedback exactly but they don't they don't yeah. know, always know so just you know every little thing that you do with them really has to be scaffolded even the feedback process what are you looking for as the instructor how do you say things um, constructively for students all of that needs to be included um, and the last, and I think is this is the most important, and this has been a big push in higher ed, is just that freedom to fail. Um, for this game element, we can do quite a few things. We can, you know, take those major assignments in our class and allow students to revise and resubmit. Yeah. Uh, research shows students work harder when they know that they can go back and um, attend to mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, we can give students back some points for test corrections. We can just simply allow them to drop their lowest assignment at the end of the term or at the end of the semester. Um, I love this quote by Dr. Justin Tart. He says that allowing kids to retake an assessment says that you believe in them. It says that your learning is my goal. Um, and so I got a lot of feedback from my students on surveys about the gamification that I do. And, um, you know, one student talked about how the fact that they can start from zero and continue to build um, changes her psychology of learning. A student mm -hmm. shared that. And then probably my favorite comment from a student, um, she shared that she was, um, she said, I liked that we were able to make mistakes and go back and fix the mistakes. It helped me feel better to understand the materials without making me feel like I was less than. That's awesome. And I just think that, yeah, I mean, it just like almost choked me up. Yeah, I just, it was just so amazing to know that it does make a difference. 
um, to take away that that fear of failure. Yeah, I mean, so we talk. We, there's so much uh, in the press about um, our students and sense of well-being and and anxiety and, and and all of that. And and what I'm hearing you talk about is is that like you're really able to reduce the, some of these psychological barriers to learning um, because because of the embrace of it, it's more than just gaming. Like you said, it's these principles that you can weave into a class in a lot of different ways. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing to think about is the, the grade book, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a traditional grade book, everyone starts the class with an A plus on the first day. Right. Yeah. And there's really nowhere to go, but down <laughs> if you right. think, unless you right. put the pressure on yourself to maintain a, you know, a hundred percent a plus, which nobody wants that pressure to do. Um, so every mistake is going to lower your grade until it, it it might become mathematically impossible for the student to be successful, right? Yeah. But in a game, you start at zero. Yeah, it's like total opposite. Total opposite. And you have only one way to go, which is up, right? You have to set, this is my goal. I have to earn this many points. And here's how I'm going to get there. It just promotes student autonomy, um, competence, agency. Yeah. And then they start working their way, climbing up that hill. And you're there to kind of provide that feedback along the way with them. So I think, you know, the great book is over 150 years old. Like, why are we still redesigning our instruction or designing our instruction based off this age old paradigm, right? I mean, it's, it's um, time to kind of reconsider some things and really think about how can we um, take real life learning and integrate yeah. that into school learning. It doesn't yeah, need to be cool. different, right? Yeah. Have you written a paper that's that, with the title like that? The, the I have. 150 oh, year old yeah. paradigm. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know that I've written a paper on that. That's a good idea. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'd like. I'd like to read that one. Yeah. That'll be my next, my next project. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Um, so I, I love hearing about all this and um, this notion of like really supporting and embracing our student success. And, and, and I, a lot of times I feel like it is flipping the script and you just gave a great example of flipping the script with the, the grade book. Um, and one of the things that makes me think about is, is um, you're a champion for your students when you're doing this in a lot of ways, you're, you're really the person who, who believes in them and they, they pick up on that. And I'm wondering if in your career, um, there was somebody like that, who was sort of your champion, who made you believe I've got this. I know that your family already did that based on what you told me, but, <laughs> but right. <one> others... <laughs> right. Yeah. I'd have to say my mom, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Um, she was an educator and a PE teacher for 43 years okay. and she taught aerobics for over 20 years. And I grew up in a small town I'm from Wabash, Indiana. Um, I had both of my parents as my teachers, which is fortunate, unfortunate privilege. Um, <laughs> you know, I really couldn't get away with anything in high school. I felt yeah. like I was surrounded by big brother. Every time I'd come <laughs> home, my mom would say, Hey, guess who I talked to today? Or did you hear about? And, you know, it was a little bit mortifying and, when I was in high school, um, when I was a sophomore in high school, she was my high school health teacher. Oh, wow. It was slightly traumatizing, right? Uh, yeah, right. I mean, can't get better than learning about sex education from your mother in front of all your friends. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> or 
Tara, can you tell us about? Yeah. Oh, I, I told her, I said, I'm going to sit in the back of your room. Do not look at me. Do not talk at me. I, talk to me. I am not here. And she didn't. I just sat with my head down, like, quiet. like I was so embarrassed. I know how it is now because I'm attempting to raise a 15 year old daughter myself. And so it's a very, a very tough age. Yeah. Um, but my mom, um, she, you know, I just remember she spent Saturdays and Sundays, you know, working on lessons, choreographing aerobics for her PE students. Um, and during her 35th year of teaching, she was just, you know, eight years from retirement. She won the Indiana um, State PE Teacher of the Year oh, award. Wow. Um, so she was still going, you know, pushing herself just to show up for her students and just be the best she could be. And yeah. uh, my mom, she recently passed away in September. So yeah. Um, I was, yeah, thank you. I was going through her personal items and found her application for the teacher of the year award. And just, it just really felt like a gift to go through and read that. And I remember a student writing of, she had several student letters of support and one of them said, um, you know, Miss Mitchell is not the kind of gym teacher that sits on the sidelines while a few kids beam the class with dodgeballs. <laughs> that was, that was the lead to her, her comment. That's so. pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, she just, she was an advocate for fitness and changing people's yeah. lives. And she, she did her job because she just loved teaching and wasn't because she felt obligated. And um, she taught to just really inspire others. So I, I mean, I, anyone who's done it for 43 years, they, that's a long time. That's a long time. Oh long my time. goodness. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm starting to approach that halfway mark myself and yeah. I'm thinking, gosh, you know, but she did it in the same setting. She was always high school, okay. uh, secondary, but yeah, I would say she's, she's my champion. I give her a tribute for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing you said earlier um, th that I, I'm kind of circling back to is, is when, when you were a teacher, you went and you got your master's and then you went and got your PhD and you were still teaching, I'm assuming um, yeah. the fifth graders. And what ultimately motivated you to go into higher education? I didn't really. Oh, so, oh, after I graduated. Yeah. So originally I wanted to do curriculum, like be a curriculum director or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but then I kind of just, I don't know, I had a, a great mentor during my doctorate program. Um, the research I found interesting and I just started, you know, looking at working with pre-service teachers. I thought that was my next calling and, and okay. that's the direction I decided to ultimately go. Okay. And so now, now you've done, been in higher ed for about a little longer than actually you were. A little bit longer, 11 yeah. years. Uh -huh. Going on my are, you, are, you, are you glad you did it? I am. I, I do, miss, like I've mentioned, I do miss, I go into the schools a lot and I'm like, oh, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but I do because I, I see things, you know, like um, I'm a, big proponent of experiential learning. And so like when we're learning about poetry, we have a poetry cafe and I have hot chocolate bar and we have the microphone. You're at the auditorium. I oh, you know, have awesome. fake candles. Are I wear doing snaps and everything? <laughs> do the snaps. I bring the, bring the beatnik drum and students write their own poetry. And then, you know, I follow a lot of my friends. I'm, I'm friends. They're my friends now, but a lot of my students on Facebook and I see them doing the same thing. In fact, just this fall, I had a student invite me to her poetry cafe because she's like, I learned this from you and I'm doing it with my students. And um, I wasn't able to actually go that time, but hopefully the next time she does it. So I see a lot of that. I see a lot of, you know, so I teach them something by experiencing it. And then the goal hopefully is that they find it impactful and memorable. And then they go and do this for years 
with their students. So that that is a very rewarding. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the word that pops to mind to to, yeah. to 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 have your students kind of embrace what you've done and 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 recreate it because they just know it works. Yeah, absolutely. And that same with awesome. gaming. Yeah, hopefully they'll take some some things back with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's in, that that kind of is an interesting segue to to uh, a question about what would what's the most important thing you would want a new instructor to think about? I mean, because you're thinking about new instructors all the time, um, given that you're teaching pre-service teachers. So I'm just kind of curious if there is a most important thing or is it two or three or four? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think one overarching thing is student motivation. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've reflected a lot on student learning over the past 21 years. And, you know, we see test scores are poor. We hear about low graduation rates. Yeah. Um, there's all these studies as to why do kids drop out of college? And um, we just have to really think about how do we motivate them? How do we engage them to retain and learn what we want to teach them? Um, and traditional schooling, as I mentioned earlier, just really, it provides just a a long series of this necessary mandated obstacles, yeah. hoops for students to keep jumping through. Um, and so I guess my tips for instructors or new instructors would be to, to think about motivation. Um, with that comes choice, right? Uh, humans love choices. Kids love choices. Um, having choices and what you learn can really make learning more fun and engaging. Um, my second tip would be mastery learning. I mentioned a yeah. little bit about that earlier with um, just flipping the narrative and thinking about how you can get students to really show that they understand the objective of the assignment or the lesson. Mm -hmm. um, trying to get the goal not to be the grade. I know it seems like that's always the goal for our students or that's that external external yeah. motivator that they're always trying to achieve, but the real goal should be learning new skills so we can face the world challenges with creativity and competence. Um, the real world connections for motivation. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you have them reflecting on those, those real world connections? As Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like students should be able to answer like, why does this matter? Yeah. Right. right. Um, if they can't answer that question, they can't learn. And that used to drive me crazy when, when I talk to my kids, when they come home from school and I'd say, so did they talk to you? Did y'all talk at all about why this is going to matter in the future? And the answer was like, not ever. <laughs> Yeah, we did. What? Why would it matter in the real world? This is nothing I'm ever going to use again, right? Right. Um, you know, our students, their personal time is so important to them. They're they're so, as we all are, crunched for time. Just, you know, trying, they don't need to feel like they're doing busy work, right? Right. Um, so not only just providing those connections for them, but constantly like reminding them why or how a task is going to help them reach their goals in their profession um, and then with motivation too, I, I think that, you know, teaching is really like this <laughs> acting, right? It's this performance art in yeah. so many ways. Um, it's high energy. Um, I think as a teacher, especially in higher ed, when you teach one content or you're in a narrowed content, like we want to help students fall in love with the subject the way yeah, that we absolutely. love it. We want to help them right. fall in love with it. We want to share that delight. We want to get excited about things. Um, Researchers have found that like students respond to instructors who are motivated and engaging. Um, for some, this is more important than both the design of the course and how you manage the course. So uh, I just get really excited about my content. And um, 
I, you know, we act goofy and <laughs> they roll their <laughs> eyes at me, but um, they know that that's important to them, that they, that this cares, this matters. And um, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure I would have loved taking one of your classes. <laughs> oh, we have a lot of fun. We do a lot of, a lot of things. <laughs> that, that is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Leah, the, uh, this notion of, of when, when faculty just want to lecture, um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to completely throw a lecture under the bus or anything, because I think there's people who can do it really well, but it's the people who do it really well are the ones who love their discipline yeah. so much that they want their students to just absorb all of this incredible information. And, and, and there's, there's ways to do that well, for sure. But, um, if people don't come at, 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 at teaching with a, a true appreciation of what it is that they're, they're asking their students to learn, it's like, um, why would their students want to learn it? Right. Exactly. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Ex it, it, no way. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so we, we, believe it or not, we've, we've been talking almost, almost 30 minutes. Oh, wow. That went fast. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, really fast. I appreciate you so much coming on onto the podcast. And um, I hope that you have a great rest of your day. And um, I hope to see you at the retreat. <laughs> I will be there. Excellent. I will be there. Yes. And I'm presenting, I think so. Oh, good. Come, come right. You're yeah. actually helping to plan it, aren't you? And I'm on the planning committee. So I definitely will be there. So come see me. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank and you. Have a good one.